How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is going to be the last podcast of the year, but I got to say thank you so much to each and every one of you who tuned in consistently over this 2021. And, you know, if it's the first time that you're listening, do me a favor, head to whatever platform it is that you're listening on and click that subscribe button, leave a review, follow along on social media at that curious Jones and tell your friends about the podcast. If you like it, I'm sure they'll appreciate it a ton. This episode is actually a little bit different than any typical episode in the sense that my guest is actually going to be releasing it simultaneously on his podcast as well. He is the host of a show called the cage side show, which is based in Philadelphia. He has a background in media, works for a large cable television network, and he's got a passion for boxing and mixed martial arts. And he's started this show to talk with fighters and people in the sport. And for some fucking reason, he decided to have me on. Um, I've become a fan of his and really enjoyed the show, reached out, wanted to connect. And one thing led to another. We decided let's go on and, and just kind of shoot the shit and uh, kind of ring in 2021 with the bang. So we did that. We talked about podcasting. We talked about monetizing podcasts with NFTs. We gave old stories about our lives and who else knows? I mean, it was a good time. We even had a little exercise at the end of the podcast talking about the current UFC champions and who would still hold those belts this time next year. You might uh, want to listen to that. So all in all, really enjoyed this. Great way to end the year and uh, give it up for my guest, Will Manzano. But before we enjoy this episode, a super quick shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. You've heard me say it before, but if you haven't head to the website, drinkaction.com, and that's action spelled with a K, to check out the best tasting specialty roast coffees and the top natural supplements that you can find on the market. Products like Active, turmeric and hemp blend for reductions of inflammation, and Fuel, which is a MCT bomb derived from coconut oil. You can also grab great apparel, but regardless of what you're looking for, if you sign up for a subscription, you'll save 20% on your monthly reoccurring order. And if you use code word carried, you'll save 15 additional percent. Head to the website, drinkaction.com, snag your late last minute Christmas presents while we'll rush them to your door and enjoy this episode. interviews that aren't just necessarily fighters uh we have justin jones on today a fellow podcaster uh we're gonna we're gonna dig deep we're gonna dig deep the man has a a, a better studio than me i want to play his guitars i want to read his books he's a gentleman <laughs> he's a scholar i can <laughs> tell all these things he's got the the rock lamp to kill all the bad elect something <laughs> what's up man how you doing good how are you Fantastic. Can you hear me? Can you see me loud and clear? I can. Same on your side? I can see you beautifully. Like I said, uh, you're watching me through the kind of the shitty webcam, but we have all the all the pretty cameras on this end, so we're good to go and you look great. Thanks for coming on the show. Likewise, man. Yeah. No, thank you for uh, hitting me back so quickly. I 
I became a fan. I don't even know how I came across your social media and the podcast, but I mean, I've been tuning in more and more and I'm like, shit, I got to reach out and see if we can have a conversation. I love it. I love it. I, I, I see. I also can't remember. I'm, I might've followed you before you follow. I don't know. I don't know how the, the cross happened, but as soon as you started talking to me, I'm like, Oh hell yeah. Like it was a quick, it was a quick connection. I think we're best friends. Uh, <laughs> brother. So, you know, I want to, I want to get into your whole, I mean, we're doing this kind of as a, as a collaborative episode, right? So we can do it. I mean, you're, you're the pro too. So you tell me, look at me, I call myself a pro Gabby. Um, you know, ask away as well, but I wanted to kind of, you, you know, you I, I really, background in this, right? what's up? I mean, you've been doing, you've been in the, the media space for a while. So you are the pro. Well, you know, my media, my media production background certainly goes back uh, a decent amount, but the podcasting world is totally different. Like uh, the, the whole business of it and, and the growth you know, tactics and all this stuff um, really is like fresh for me. Um, and I'm excited to talk to you because I feel like we can just talk bullshit back and forth about all these new ways that you're maybe doing and we could be doing and kind of just have a creative conversation. A lot of the people who watch the show here in Philly are either fighters or trainers or coaches or just kind of in that world. Uh, but everybody needs content everybody needs social media everybody is aware of podcasts and fucking nfts that i can't stop hearing about and all this shit but like everybody's trying to get by everybody's trying to grow their their own personal brand so um i think it's i think it's huge to talk to somebody like yourself um and kind of break break up the, the fights uh but you're in you're into fighting you have a background right you you, you do jujitsu as well and all this stuff or no yeah no i i currently train jujitsu and i i had a small amateur career like 11 years ago now okay shit. probably 2010 i think is when i last fought so um certainly very little compared to the folks that you're usually having on the show so i'm somewhat honored um but yeah i'm a big big fan of martial arts in general and you know love watching it love talking about it so, uh, so that's why your show has really appealed to me thanks brother yeah when you you complimented the show i took that uh i took that uh as a, as a big compliment because uh you know what you're doing uh, and anytime somebody who also podcasts appreciates what you're doing, then it's like, all right, now that's a compliment, you know? Um, when did you get into podcasting? I know your, your, your current podcast is on episode, like what, close to 80 or yeah, this, um, this will be episode 81. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. So when, when, and how did you get into podcasting? You know, I, so I actually, the, the first podcast that I ever did was with my younger brother. So, um, I've got three younger brothers. Two of them live in LA, um, Southern Cali, or just south of LA, kind of Orange County. And uh, we were all in the cannabis space together. So my, I got, even to back up further, like my background is in technology. So I started actually living in Philadelphia. I worked for a company in Bluebell that was a software company. And uh, I led inside sales, got acquired by IBM and kind of stayed in that space for 10 plus years and just, you know, always talking to people, being in front of people and conference rooms and everything. But I never like had a desire growing up to have anything to do with technology. It just like found me, it paid me well, it advanced me in a professional way. So I was like, I'm going to do it as long as it'll, you know, give me the opportunity. But I've always just liked doing shit like this. I love doing I, I remember in high school I was like broadcast journalism is one of my electives and I was on the morning radio and the morning news and 
Me too. I, I love sharing my opinion. I fucking annoy my family with it, right? So <laughs> it was a natural thing to do. And my brother and I, we were in the event space, kind of, you know, we were hosting events in LA, bringing in cannabis brands and then charging tickets, you know, for people to come in and kind of just creating this cool networking environment. And we were talking with a lot of really interesting people. And he and I were like, we should start to capture this. And so we started to use that network that we had to do a podcast. And honestly, at the time, it wasn't about like being famous podcasters or making a bunch of money with it. It was as a tool to help grow our business and our network and be thought leaders, right? Because we didn't, we weren't growers in that California scene. And there's a lot of fake people. And we were like, let's not try to be anything we're not. Let's just go in as two brothers that are trying to do something different and really want to connect with the real OGs of this industry. And we did it all on location. Um, did actually a couple of them at the Standard Hotel, which was like the first cannabis-friendly hotel in Hollywood. We were like out on the pool deck with people doing shit in the background. And like we had this whole cool setup and we, we did it for probably 10 episodes and then COVID kind of hit and it made it impossible for me to travel back and forth from Pittsburgh to LA. And I still wanted to do this. So like May of 2020, I was like, I'm going to just do this on my own and do it remotely. Cause that's all I could really do. And I, it kind of goes back to something you said earlier on where everybody's looking for an outlet to have conversation and things like, I started reaching out to people who I had no business like theoretically having podcast episodes with like in the first 10 or 15 episodes. And they were like, yeah, I'd love to come on and talk with you. And I think some of it was people didn't have an outlet and some people's existence really kind of requires them to have an outlet and be relevant. And so they're like any chance they could get, they were willing to come on my show early on. And I, I think it helped me immensely to a, just have the courage to do it, but then for them to come on and, you know, then share what I was doing on their platforms and, you know, kind of picked up steam and it's been going hard ever since. How did you, I want to, I want to go like back to the beginning, but how did you, as far as the, the podcasting, how did you make a, a, a lit? Cause you're kind of like Rogan, right? Like you, it's based on what, what curiosities you have, hence the name. Um, yeah. It's Curious Jones, right? Yes. Yeah. So how did you go about picking who you wanted to talk to? Was it just people you were into or, or, or were you, were you clever with like a, a path that you were trying to navigate? Honestly, it's so right out of the gate, it was okay. Who do I know that's kind of within my network or a friend of a friend that I couldn't have on? And I knew that I wanted to, I like, I am into so many different things. That's always been my life. Like high school, I was, an athlete, but I was in a, a band. I played the guitar. I was, I just was very, um, I, I just had a very broad interest and that's continued. You know what I mean? My friends are all of diverse groups. I mean, it's just something I've enjoyed. So it wouldn't have been like the cannabis thing that I did with my brother. I mean, COVID per definitely was an impact on that, but we were just having the same conversations with the same type of people over and over again. And that to me just didn't do it. Like I had so many other questions about so many other things. So, you know, it started with a couple people in the fitness and MMA space. I'm partners with rumble Johnson and a, a brand that I'm action that I'm actually wearing. Yep. Um, and so like I reached out to him, had him on the show. And then those 
relationships kind of then spawned into people of the same space, right? Rumble led me to two or three other fighters that I was able to talk to and, you know, Corey Peacock. And then, you know, he's a strength and conditioning coach down at Sanford. And then he led me to people in the medical space. So it's just kind of spidered and it really is just what I want to talk about and things that I'm interested in. Um, you mentioned Rogan at, it's kind of corny and cliche, but I mean, dude, he's the godfather of this thing. And I try to emulate certain aspects of that. I think his freedom in being able to talk to a wide range of people and, you know, not really trying to fall into any one shape or size. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it just flows. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's not, I mean, I don't know what other people think. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with setting kind of like a North star or like a, a, or a good representation of what you consider content you would consume that you would want to then also put out. Like, I think that's, that's how it short, sort of should be. Like I didn't get into this stuff without, without the interest into podcasting. You know what I mean? Like I've been listening to podcasts when I was like heavily running and that was like what would get me through. And I would fucking love it. That was like way better than music, way better than any of this. And one podcast led me to another and to another. And that's why like, this is huge uh, for us. And, you know, hopefully it helps you as well. But like, it's like bring it's unique people that maybe like one thing but have no idea about this other thing and podcasting does that which is which is awesome um yeah, you know i think there's there's another element that i'm leaving out that i think as you're talking is such a big part for me and i just had two little boys over the last two and a half years so i had a newborn basically when i started this new podcast that we're doing and i had a second one in that process as well hey bro you gotta and get out of the house is- you have to get out of the house <laughs> You're staying too busy. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Um, and thank God for mom for being a kick-ass yep. rock star and, yep. and, you know, supporting that. But it's, I wanted to leave this kind of like journal of what I'm interested in. And I wanted to be honest so that, you know, the chances are is hardly anybody in the grand scheme of things is going to listen to anything that I have to say. And if that's the case, I'm cool with that because I'm going to have this forever. You know what I mean? Yep. And they're going to have it. And I want them to know, you know, what my thoughts are on my passions, MMA, music, you know, but also what was I interested in? What were the other things that I was curious about? And, you know, who knows where will this go in the future? Yeah, I'm just I want it to be true and representative, you know, you know, I like that. I like that way of thinking. I just did another podcast with uh, Jenny Anderson, who is Corey Anderson's wife. She has a podcast about fighters and stuff. Um, And we were talking about the same kind of thing. And I was so I have two boys. Uh, they're older, uh, one's turning 12, one's turning eight, but you know, it's the same deal. It's like, are, are the things we're into change so quickly? You know what I mean? Like the interest that we have from even the, the things I used to listen to and, and be into a year ago right now seem almost silly and I'm into something completely different. So like being able to do this and capture all those interests. Cause I'm like, like you said, like I grew up with like way too many hobbies, my parent, poor, my poor fucking parents. Like I was hardcore into every single thing I did, you know, with whether it was a sport or an art endeavor or, you know, just a, the creativity brain is a little bit nuts. But um, but, you know, we get to do this now. We get to do podcasts that kind of cap- capture all those different interests. And hopefully they, they, you know, they can be proud of that. So I think you're you're on the right track with using them as as a as a as a as a push, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Rumble Johnson, your uh, your 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 line of products, which is um, is it is it vitamin type stuff? Is it like nutritional stuff? So it, it actually we started as a specialty coffee brand. Oh, so okay. Action. Um, my partner Joe, who's down in Austin, Texas, he was a former Onnit employee. So 
he was like one of the very first guys that on it. He was uh, head of operations. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. This would be the funniest yeah. fucking turn of events if you said my buddy down in Austin named Joe who started with Anna and his name is Joe Rogan. Anyway, go. <laughs> no, it's I wish. It's right? a fucking connection though. I mean, there's Joe. Is. Isn't Joe part owner of Anna? Yes. Yeah. So there's there's kind of a you know I guess what is that the law of you know her seven degrees of separation or something yeah, like yeah. that he, he exactly. within reach I guess but he's his uh, now Joe Bryant is my partner's name and uh, he started to roast coffee kind of as a project for on it. It never went anywhere. He left and, and pursued this and uh, has a great story, you know, sourcing from beans in Guatemala, same family, 100-year-old farm. And he wanted to grow it outside of coffee. Um, my background in sales and marketing and all that stuff and kind of a passion for natural products, he had a vision to take it beyond coffee and kind of do similar things that Onnit's doing, you know, and try to find a, you know, a product set that filled a void. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting, the MMA community, for whatever reason, you know, I'm sure part of it is because he and I are both really into it, but we've had just a lot of people from that space gravitate towards action and what we're doing. I think being in Austin also helps. We've had a lot of support from 10th Planet Austin. Curtis Hembroff and his whole team have just been awesome partners. We just recently signed uh, Mary Barron who's like an up and coming jujitsu oh, star. She's been on the you show. Know some of her videos. She, she's big on the, she was on the show and oh, no shit. I had her on the show. I had her, I actually had a weird episode. We had, do you know, well, were you ever into, I don't know if we're close in age or not, but were you ever into skateboarding? Um, so I wasn't a skateboarder. I was, uh, in lines. I did, I skated. Okay. But All right. I, but same, I, same. I, I hung in that crowd though, for sure. <laughs> so like we had nineties, early two thousand. We had Jimmy Gorecki, which is a kind of like a Philly, you know, very popular skateboarder and now brand brand guy, creative director and stuff. We had an episode with him and and Mary on, um, and she was awesome. But at that time, did it, Gabby didn't she mention she was about to do a sponsorship yeah, with a brand? I'm working on something. I'm working on something, <laughs> and she couldn't tell us who. I bet you it was you. I probably. Was. Anyway, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. She's smart. Yeah. So I mean, that whole group of people have been so great for us, and there's a lot of things in the works that I'm I can't share now, but it will it'll be like early next year there'll be a lot of stuff that we're doing in collaboration with them. So that's kind of helped. And I think as a company, you know, right late summer this year, we kind of decided, Hey, let's not try to be everything to everybody. And this community, this mixed martial arts community and the people who watch it and enjoy it, this is, you know, if we start to develop products and, you know, really focus in this space and let's do and create the things that, these people want and quite honestly products that I'm going to use. Yeah. So that's, um, that's kind of been the catalyst of it. And it's been a lot of fun to this point and to have rumble on board and, you know, we developed our, a signature coffee blend for him. Uh, kind of his, he's a big coffee drinker and that's kind of how we got connected. So yeah, it was, it's been fun. That's awesome, brother. Um, yeah. Gabby cut to camera. I know you, well, you might be able to see it. Cut to camera two real quick. If you can, you see that wall there? You're not able to see the wall from your from your angle. This wall right here, okay, the one that I has the the antlers. I see the antlers is like the furthest to the right that I okay, see. Okay, so where do you want your brand logo to go? Just curious, because <laughs> if what you're trying to say is you're going to sponsor the show, there's easier ways to go about it. But I think your logo will look nicely there. 
All right. Yeah, anyway. I think we can get, we can certainly get some cool uh, some cool shit. Maybe we'll get you a nice coffee machine and Ooh. do something cool. You know, yeah. we're like so we're on a main street here, and there's a Starbucks literally across the corner. But I'm like I'm a big coffee snob. I'm a big coffee <laughs> snob. That's what I was saying. So like I don't even make a pit stop. I rather make coffee at home with like my Spanish coffee because I drink you know espresso and anyway. Uh, yeah. So yes, you ha- you had me at coffee. Um, let's so let's let's talk about podcasting and like how are you right now with monetizing uh growth uh like the kind of the business side of thing are you now fully in in that or are you just making content and focusing only solely on that oh man i do so many different things so i'm i mean i have everything going on with action i still consult in technology so that takes up a big part of my day that it still pays well so i i do what you know puts food on the table for sure but i put more and more time as this has grown you know, I kind of started off just just only doing it at night and weekends. Um, now it's getting more into sponsorships. Um, you know, Action being the, my company, obviously with my partners, we've sponsored the show and it's been a great outlet to drive, you know, sales for that business and, and things like that. But, um, you know, I was telling you before the NFT space is something that I'm really exploring and it all started from a conversation with Greg Overton who, you know, back to Rogan, Greg's the guy that does the really cool native American paintings that Joe's talked a lot about. So I've had Greg on the show a couple of times and we've become pretty good friends. And he was telling me offline about the NFTs that he's been dropping and kind of gave me a, a quick crash course on really how even a podcaster could leverage it. And I mean, ultimately you're just putting a, a digital contract tied to a blockchain to anything that you really want. So, you know, for me, I don't release the full video episodes on YouTube or anything like that. I put clips out, but you know, you could do something where, you know, somebody buys an NFT, um, you know, for curious Jones, we even talked about doing a collaboration where he or somebody else does some sort of painting, uh, like an animated monkey to kind of like curious George spinoff some yeah. sort. And, uh, you know, having that be a a release that along with that, maybe you can come to a live taping of a podcast episode or you could get some sort of exclusive content, you know, so um, So, tie it into merch and things like that, too. Okay, so so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to dig in, dig into this. So did you hear the Beeple interview? I didn't yet. Bro, that's 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 a good one because they talk a lot about this shit. Um, I know very little. I know a lot of the people on Instagram that are very popular have monetized the shit out, you know, have made a ton of money off the net. How, how are they making so much money? So like, okay, so for, I will give you a very stupid example. Yeah, yeah. So I, for fun with the kids, uh, I had them painting, you know, at home watercoloring and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, to do something with them. So I started doing the faces of fights, like the 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 fucked up faces from the UFC. So like when the what's his name's lip got ripped up and uh, Cowboy when his eye just swole up. So I did them and they came out because, you know, I've always been into art, you know, whatever. They were good enough. So I started putting them in the old studio and they were kind of the background. And a lot of people would come in and be like, oh, shit, you did those. Those are cool. They're like they're different as an example. So then you do that as an NFT, as a digital you know, piece of art. Mm-hmm. And then you sell it to a certain amount of people for a certain price, but then it's attached to more than just that. It has a perk to it. Is that right? Yep. You can tie royalties to it. So if that person then turns around and sells that painting, um, 
for $10,000, you can set it up where in perpetuity, that digital asset, if sold, will give you 10%, 15%, whatever it is that you set on the backside in the out in that blockchain, you know, in the algorithm to always track and, and provide you. So if you do something and either that product or you and yourself kind of continue to grow in value. And I mean, it's a supply and demand situation. You can't ever create more of it. Right. So, I mean, one example I always hear is like from a music perspective, if you're an artist, if you sell, you know, all of your records that you printed, you just go and print more records and then you sell them out and distribute it to the stores or whatever. I guess I'm kind of like doing the old CD and like record model, yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, you would do that, but you just, it's endless supply. But now with people being able to self-produce, they can create, you know, maybe like a hundred NFTs and know that the supply is going to be way short of what the demand is and then set up royalties on the back end so that when people get this digital file, maybe it comes with like a, you know, some special package along with it of like album art and merch and things like that they can then sell it as a collector item, kind of like a, a pair of Jordans, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's really no different from a conceptual standpoint, except that it's digital and that it's authenticated against the blockchain. So you'll always be able to track it theoretically for eternity. Okay. Um, so an artist could do that with their song. So then that song that wouldn't go on Spotify, it would be a download that that person would then physically, well, not physically, but it, they would be the owners of and then right. they but then wouldn't it then duplicate the digital art wouldn't it then duplicate once you give it to the next person and then you still own it too as the <laughs> as the creator you would own it but so like if you but if somebody resells it and then you're going to make a royalty wouldn't that person then still own the digital file is what i'm saying that makes sense yes yes but yeah, i don't know how that would work if they would have to like, yeah, no, it's a good point. Know. That's how ignorant I am of it as well, yeah. too. No, it, dude, wow. it's very interesting. And I feel like it's one of those things that if I have a conversation with somebody who knows even less than I do, I'm going to sound like the crazy one. So <laughs> I'll, here's an, in full transparency. So I have a team, a, a guy, a friend of mine who actually I connected with through a podcast a couple of years ago. And he has a company. He started out in kind of like the affiliate marketing world and he's moved into development he was doing like web 2.0 development so like seo google ad mm -hmm. analytics stuff to help drive engagement for brands and now he's moving into what's called web 3.0 which encompasses you know nfts and, and things of that nature so he's got a whole team of people that do the development and so that's i'm kind of having conversations with that team about you know, here's some use cases and how I would like to try to monetize this. Now, tell me how we can do that from a cryptocurrency blockchain perspective, maybe creating a token, anything, you know, I mean, these guys are creating, I don't know if you've seen some of these like virtual real estate developments and shit where like they're selling to brands to put their storefront there where they can, somebody can go into this digital world through an Oculus and then go shopping in this brand and buy things. I mean, it's it's crazy. we're all fucked, dude. <laughs> our, our real bodies are fucked. Uh, well, yeah, my kids play Roblox and Fortnite and all this crap. And and I even told them what I somehow was stupid enough to start following all these NFT accounts, which then populated all my DMs from bullshit about. Have you seen this board ape? I'm like, shut up. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And you're definitely trying to hack me. Um, but 
anyway, they announced one time that like I think Nike and and a couple other brands were now going to be within the game, and like this Nike world where they could explore and all. Like yeah, it's all moving into that direction, which is yeah. insane. But yeah, yeah, I don't know enough about it to not have somebody that knows their shit yeah. to help me with it, or I'll be lost and lose all kinds of time. But yeah, I think yeah. we have to get there. Right. I, mean, I think it's very interesting, like us for being such a young podcast and trying to come up with ways to monetize. It seems daunting to wait for it to continue growing to then finally like, dude, I, I also have a family and I also work at a, you know, at a for a TV station here locally or whatever. Um, you know, it's let's think of outside the box ways to support the show. So the show show has enough time to grow. It's going to need three years to fucking get to a point where it's going to make or break, you know. Um, and little things like this help, you know, these type of, these type of, of scenarios, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm ignorantly thinking that we could do it, but something along the lines. You have to try so many different things. And that's, I think that's a big part of it. Failing is a part of success, right? I mean, if you don't fail to me, you're not, you either already know the answer and very few people I've ever talked to know the answer, or you just haven't tried enough things to be successful. And sometimes even when you think it's going well, you need to step outside of that comfort zone and try something different because you might be missing something because of the success. Right. So I don't know. It's as long as it doesn't cost me too much, I'm going to try everything. And if I look silly, then I guess I look silly. Yeah. No, no, you can't think about that stuff. I've failed my way here very, very much. So, uh, but this is like, and to you, you, I'm sure you feel the same way based on what you've said so far. It's um, when you enjoy it, and it becomes like it doesn't really matter if anybody ever pays for this thing. I'm going to continue to do it because these fucking conversations mean something to me. Uh, doing it, taking the time for it means something like it doesn't. This isn't work. You know what I mean? This is this is uh, more. It's more important to to the soul, <laughs> to, you know. Um, but, you know, at, at some point you got to you got to, like you said, try different ways and, and see how you can see how you can grow. That's why I had Dale Brown on the show. Uh, I was going to ask you about that, dude. Please ask away. What do you got? What's your take? Um, <laughs> well, so like somebody just posted something, I guess, where he like kind of proved that he's been trolling. And I on Instagram, listen, the guy knows way too much about this shit that he's been doing. Not as far as technique, about his line of work that the guy's been. And I looked I looked enough. You know, I looked into it. He's been doing fucking local television for 20 years like he's been everywhere so the guy i think is an older guy who has been making money whether with his bullshit or not bullshit techniques and services right and has been doing fine with his career and then just somehow you know stumbled upon the internet <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it took maybe his wife who i believe is younger to start posting his shit on tiktok and posting it and then like he's he's a perfect a perfect viral type character. Very memeable. Mm. He's very memeable, right? So, I think he didn't realize how quick it would, and I think he's smart enough to monetize it, to 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 take advantage of it, and to keep on going with it until the fucking wheels fall off. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, no, I think you're so right. It's it's rare to find somebody who hits all of those things, though. You know what I mean? He he, being aware enough to know to take advantage of the situation and not that he's taking himself too serious. You know what I mean? Like, cause you could be that person to be able to be kind of, I hate to say goofy enough to make that whole shtick work, yeah. but then, 
you know, not be savvy enough to take advantage of it. So I, I didn't know, man, I looked and to your point, I saw there's like a history and I'm like, there's, it's not manufactured because part of me, I watch it and I'm like, this guy is an actor. There's no way somebody, some company has realized that they can monetize this and they've put him up to it and they created a bunch of content. But I'm like, no, it's, he's been doing this for a while and there's no way that, you know, that's been, I guess, manufactured that way. Yeah. I think if he, if he had no history beyond like, let's say the last four years, definitely, I would believe you a hundred percent on that. But you know, you can see this guy's been doing public access type shit forever. So some people are just fucking goofy like that, but he, he actually has a really good sense of humor. So, you know, that episode was interesting because I had so many people reaching out from the MMA and boxing world. I don't know what they expected. I think they wanted to come to the studio and fight him. Yeah. And I'm like, well, first of all, he's going to be remote. Second of all, they take it. I still get clips from people that like kind of like, look at this fucking guy. It's like, let's let's move on. You don't have to follow the guy. Um, And if you watch the episode, listen, we got, you know, you can believe what he says or not. But the guy's funny. The guy knows he's being made fun of and he's taking advantage of that part, but he's fucking making bank off of it. He's got over one point, probably more now. He had 1.2 million followers on YouTube. Like, listen, that's a business. That is not an accident. So mm-hmm. I think it's good for him. Fuck that. Like, I think it's great. It's entertainment. Yeah. yeah right? No, yeah, you got it. I think the world needs that, right? We're talking about it. Dude, that I have a I was telling Gabby earlier. I have a reel that I put. Like I try really hard at social media to to try to give this show so you know some 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 spotlight. And all I had to do was create some silly ass reel of him. And that thing every day just hundreds and hundreds, it's up to like two three hundred thousand uh, you know views and it just it continues to flood my fucking messages. I'm like, all right, this guy's never gonna end. <laughs> so he's gotta go at some point. Uh, what's the most interesting interview you've done? Oh, um, probably, you know, I always think back to one in particular. I had a conversation with this guy, Sean Swerner. Um, he was voted one of the world's eight most inspirational humans ever to exist. And I saw that and I'm like, no way. Like I thought of all kinds of people who are dead currently that I would initially think as being inspirational. So I kind of like dug a little deeper and I started to learn about this guy's story and kind of high level. As a teenager, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer, like super rare type of lymphoma. And he ended up beating it after two years, went into remission. And after a few years of being in remission, went back for a checkup and he had a whole different type of brain cancer that was like unrelated supposedly to the first one, but it was stage four very advanced, it had spread. He ended up in a coma, lost his lung as a part of this and ended up beating it. And I guess the doctors told him the chances of him beating both of these cancers at the stage that they caught them was the same as him winning the lottery three or four times in a row with the same numbers, which like when I hear that, yeah, it just doesn't even register, right? So he decides that he's going to go to college, does that, kind of feels lost with his life that he's got a bigger purpose and decides that he wants to start climbing mountains. And so he moves to Colorado and within a year he climbs Mount Everest with one lung. And this is, I think 2001 timeframe. And so 
gets inspired that he wants to keep doing this more, wants to push it beyond that. And he sets out to climb the tallest peak on every continent. And he succeeds in doing that. And so he now takes groups up Mount Kilimanjaro, like I think every year and does it for cancer charity, raises money um, to donate back. And then um, now he's training for his next big thing, which is running a marathon every day for seven days on seven different continents. Oh, Jesus. You had me right? at the first one. I'm like, oh, it's been done before. And then you mentioned seven continents. Yeah. Yeah. He's wow. he's a freak. And, now, uh, um, and I'm going to have to listen to that episode for sure now. Uh, that'll be my ride home. Um, did he... Did he say he beat cancer? He did all these things because of a mindset, because of a will, or or did it happen because he was meant to do something bigger with his life? What was his take on that? Um, if I recall, I don't think that it was really a will. I think because I was kind of, if I recall, I was pretty surprised at his not like he didn't really feel like until after the second time that he beat it. He had the. This is a funny story. So. Um, I don't know if I want to ruin it for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you because this is cool. So he was working as a bartender down in Florida, um, kind of like Tom Cruise in that fucking movie Cocktails. Mm -hmm. And um, he said that he ended up going back to some chick's apartment one, one random night. And when he got there, she was so messed up, he had to carry her in. And he set her on the couch and her roommates were there and there's people partying. And he's like, there was drugs all over the table. And like somebody passed out and he's just like, I left there and felt like I beat cancer twice. And this is where I'm at. Like I'm bartending and like doing this. And he was like, I, I literally went home and like my life changed. And so I think that moment was what did it because I was kind of like up to that point, I was a little disappointed at his answers to everything. It was like, yeah, you know, I, like kind of like I beat it and, you know, I kind of went on with life. Yeah, and very nonchalant. Again and yeah. 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 But oh, I think it was that moment for him. Wow. So. Well, yeah, but they, thank God he got that 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 insight, you know, or that self-awareness to realize because, holy shit, that would have been a waste, man. You know, All not right. saying that, you know, that bartending is bad in Miami or wherever he was. But <laughs> um, but hell, yeah, if you if you beat something that a lot of people don't have a chance to beat, you better fucking go climb a mountain, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. See, and was that a moment when you got done that podcast? You were like, this is why I'm doing this shit to hear stories oh, for, like this. For sure, dude. I mean, there's so many. I'm sure there's moments the same for you. And nah. I, I've got a question for you about that. But I mean, I think one of the other cool ones I've had my I've had two of my brothers on the podcast and I had my father and my dad. My dad might be one of the most interesting lives that I've ever met. I mean, he's He's funnier than all hell. And uh, it's probably, aside from like, I did Tim Kennedy on the podcast. That was a big one for me. Love to get him on. Um, yeah. Couple of cool neurosurgeons, but my dad, it's, uh, it's it'll leave you rolling hysterically. You know, he, he's got some stories, man. So, so I want to get, cool. I want to get to your dad, but real quick on Tim Kennedy, I actually had, to, I reached out to Mary to hook it up with Tim to see if he would come on to interview Dale with me <laughs> to, because I thought that would be fucking great. You know what I mean? But then he, he posted something about it, didn't he? Uh, I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. But apparently he left he left Mary on, on, on scene. So we, we never heard back from him. But it would it would be nice to get him on at some point. He's he's an interesting fucking guy, man. Um, 
he makes me want to be manlier and uh, cooler and tougher. Yeah, that was the one of the only ones that I've ever been. I was a little nervous when even through Zoom, yeah. you know, to yeah. connect with him. Um, so. Speaking of nervous, though, your dad, that's kind of I mean, I'm sure you have a great relationship with your dad because obviously he's on your podcast. That means you guys get along and you guys probably he's very supportive, I'm sure. Um, that's got to be a weird dynamic, though, right? Like, I feel like if I had my dad sitting down here. I don't know if I could turn this on and kind of dig or, you know what I mean? Was that, was it yeah. like that or was it easy for you? It's easy for me. Um, yeah. He's always been an open book. I mean, into things that he's, my dad had a really, really rough life um, as a kid and I'm sure people have had it worse. So I don't want to, you know, like certainly lay it out that way, but he, he had a bad life. His, his real father was very abusive, left um, him and his brother and, and my grandmother when my dad was like two and my grandmother got remarried to a gentleman who he he went AWOL from the army and then joined the Navy and under an alias. And oh, shit. Yeah. And the FBI was following them and um, he left the Navy. And so they would go. My dad's like, we'd wake up and my grandmother would say, hey, we're going to go from Florida to Pennsylvania. And then like they would pack up and go live in a motel for six months. And so there's just so many things that him and his brother would do. And some of the things that he told me as a kid. So I knew they were there. It was, I think a little bit more difficult for him because he's always just been free to tell me everything he wants. And then I think he knew people are going to hear this. Ooh, right. And so it took a little bit, but once I started to really pull and get him going, then it was like nonstop. So it was it was all good. Wow. You're selling your show very well. I feel like <laughs> I, I have a mental list of every episode that I want to hear. Uh, that's awesome, man. That's that's cool that you used the podcast too as a bonding kind of experience with your family. They're all very supportive of you. Oh, my God, man. That's the one thing. My parents, my whole family have always been supportive in, in anything that I've done. So that's, that's a yeah. blessing. That's awesome, man. Um, what so, about you? Uh, what about me? My my family? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I I'd be curious. I mean, I know you have a, a background in media, right? But what mm -hmm. got you to want to do a podcast, and specifically in the MMA space? So I so I I was in Puerto I lived in Puerto Rico until I was eight years old, and then I moved to to New Jersey, and my mom's side of the family has always been very boxing heavy. Like my grandma was the one that would scream at the TV, you know, back in the day watching fights. And we would watch fights on the sidewalk in Puerto Rico when Hector Camacho used to be a boxer, you know, uh, or was alive. And um, my grandfather was a trainer. He is part, a lot of the decor in the studio here. He was a big trainer. So I grew up, you know, in kind of wanting to be a, a, a boxer and all this stuff my whole life. So I was huge on the boxing sport. I didn't get into MMA too much until boxing kind of I felt like was getting a little rep repetitive and boring. And a lot of the fighters that I followed kind of fell off, which was like the Trinidad, Tito Trinidad, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, Fernando Vargas, all these guys that, you know, kind of started phasing out a little bit. Um, and I got into MMA at that point. But I actually wanted to box. Uh, so while I was in school, I, I, I boxed locally here. I boxed at Joe Frazier's gym for for years. And I always had a this bullshit dream of wanting to be a fighter, but you know it wasn't meant to be. I probably wasn't gonna be that good. I did, I had different things that I also wanted to commit to. Um, and when high school was done and I was still boxing, I really had an uh, an interest in in film. 
and I decided I wanted to go to film school. So I went to California. I did film school over there. And the last time that I, the, the, the moment that I lost the dream of boxing was when I went to California to do, to do that. And I went to Freddie Roach's gym uh, over there in Hollywood and wildcard. And I, well, first it was funny because I saw AC Slater and Manny Pacquiao at the same time in the gym, which I thought was interesting, uh, or Mario Lopez. And, and I went in, like, I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be here every day and I'm going to do film school at night. It, I went maybe four times. And then I'm like, all right, I, I'm, I'm picking film. Film is the, 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 the dream. Everything else would be a hobby. I, you know, always love it. I'll, I'll watch it. So this is a very long story to your answer, but sorry. Uh, but then anyway, so then I pursued film and I did, I did that and I've made a million projects and then I got into television and uh, I currently here manage the CBS station uh, creative department and always had the passion for the fighting. So I would always come up with projects, you know, shorts, docu-series concepts, all this shit, just because I wanted to bring both together. Um, two projects almost got almost got there where it could have become something. And unfortunately they did not. Uh, but so actually I was working on the last uh, docu-series project, which is called Her Fight, um, which featured female uh, fighters here, MMA fighters here in Philly. We followed them. We, we documented them in the gyms and uh, we did sit downs with them. We produced a really good looking sizzle uh, and it was pitched around. While that was happening, COVID hit. We got sent home to work. Um, so now I found myself at home with all this time, uh, but still working in the, in the, obviously, you know, still running the, depart the department, the television thing. And I'm like, all right, this is my moment. Like, I'm forced to be home. I have extra time. I'm going to fucking start writing my feature script. The feature film script that I always wanted to do, I'm going to write it. I very quickly came up with another idea, which was to do a podcast for fighting. Because that got my attention a lot more than thinking of what the fuck I was going to write on that wall. And the, all those car note cards that I plastered on my wall. Um, so I pitched to the CBS folks. I said, listen, uh, we need content always, right? Let me create this little Zoom show to just break down fights or recap fights. It'll be a short thing. We'll throw it on the CBS website and see what happens. If you guys want to sell sponsors to it, cool. If you can't, fine. Uh, I'm just going to do it. So we did that. And that lasted maybe like like six episodes I was going to say something like that not much um, and it was just falling in the fucking abyss that is not YouTube or anything else because it was in that world and I was doing everything I was doing all the work all the writing for it all the scripting for the intros the recording the editing the posting the the you know anyway so then I uh, last January so it'll be almost a year that we've been doing it this way I said you know what I'm going to start from scratch I'm going to go do it on my own. I'm going to do it in my own studio that I had for like little projects. It was like an art space or art, build, uh, art building. And I started having guests on, which was a change, you know, like guests on a couch. And I, I, I fell in love with it because I actually look back at messages that I had with a buddy of mine who we always kind of like worked on projects together that were creative. Like he had his job, I do my thing. And whenever I would come up with an idea for like a film or something, that was like, we would get excited about that. And I remember yeah. telling him, I just want a space where I can go do this fucking thing, this my thing, almost like a late show. I've always been a fan of Conan, O'Brien, and all these other late shows. I'm like, if not that, right, because I'm not funny as shit like him, but like if I could have my own little thing that I can just do all the time, repetitive, uh, and it's maybe get somewhere that would be the dream. 
and cut to, you know, maybe six months from then, I was doing the podcast regularly uh, in that space and it was getting some traction or whatever. And But it, I was committed to it. I'm like, every week, rain or shine, feel like shit, um, you know, don't want to do it. Kids are busy. Like, I have to take the time from my family, away from my family. That this, I'm doing it. This is the thing. Um, and that's been it, man. That is, it's just been one after another. And I've been very... Um, conscious of ways to grow it with who I have on and and but a lot of times it's no I want to talk I want to have these people on and it's it's going to be an amateur or it's going to be a nutritionist or it's going to be yourself or it's 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 about the the conversation um anyway and now we find ourselves in this studio which which is a little bit cooler than the other one um and yeah man just with the hopes to still do that that dream right to have my own little world here and and transmit out to everybody and hopefully people fucking watch that's it yeah i think i think for me if all i really could ask is that it gets big enough where i can start doing it easier in person with everybody that i would want to try to have in person yeah it's it's tougher especially being for the most part in pittsburgh you know what i mean so i'd have to be flying people in and out and they'd have to be willing to make the trip and i mean it is what it is it's really not i don't think as intensive as a lot of people would think but it's still, you know, mm-hmm. it's more than that. But I, I mean, I remember the times of sitting across from somebody and I'm sure you realize it too. It's, there's just a, it's different. You know it's what so I mean? Much, as yeah, much so as much this better. is great. But. I was very hesitant to, to do the, the zoom concept, um, or like even this in this way that I'm doing it now, uh, for that reason, I feel like I myself am happier walking out of a conversation on a couch than uh, a Zoom because I always feel like, was it did it connect? Did it feel authentic? Did, did we really have a moment there? Because here I can tell. You know what I mean? Here we're fucking giggling in between comments and shit. Like it's we can have a drink together. It's it's a whole different vibe. Um, but a lot of people told me like, no, like the viewers still really care about who's on, regardless of whether they're in the couch or not. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, but now the way I have it set up, it's like you're in, I'm in my living room. Like you're on. A, I'm seeing you on my my 60 whatever inch TV and I'm just sitting comfortably and I'm, we're having a cup. You know what I mean? So that's a scary thought. Yeah. For me. No, you look great. I don't have my glasses on so I can't see shit right now. You're just a blurry blob, but I can hear you well. Uh, so has there been anybody that you've had on that's been, you know, above and beyond? I'm sure everybody's been a, a you know, pleasure, but. Um. Shit. We've had reoccurring. I think that's always a positive sign of. Yeah, like as far as like fighters, like I tend to start really liking people, and then I want to have them on all the time, and then I gotta realize that I can't be, I can't be weird. But, <laughs> but like Pat Sabatini, I just said, said you know said it not long ago, but Pat Sabatini, who's a UFC fighter out of this area, uh, he's intriguing, and he at first he was a challenge because he was very sh- limit like short on answers, and it pushed me against a fucking wall as I interviewed him a little bit. And the last time he came, we had a drink together and we had fucking good stories that he shared and we loosened up. Um, and like, so somebody like that, I feel like it's been, it's been huge. And like we do, we went to fights locally in Atlantic city um, this last weekend and I, I ran into him and he like came running over and it was like a night he met my wife, my, I met his, his fiance, whatever. Um, it's just like, shit, this is the little community. This is what I was talking about. So, so that, he's he's been great um i have a buddy uh mr sean burrell 
who's awesome. <laughs> that, Sean Burrell has fought has out. fought everybody in in every organization. And you talk to the guy, and the guy hates fighting, and he does. <laughs> he, he just wants to talk about football. But he's such a like I don't know. He's like really good dude, and that guy can come in through that door any day, and we'll just talk to shit. And if I would, if people paid to hear that, I might just have him on more often. Like it would just be us talking probably at all times. Um, I I really wanted that to be the case. Like I remember in the beginning, I was like, I can't wait to get to the point where people want to come back on, and mm. viewers are excited to hear that person back on the show. And I, you know what I mean? Like in the beginning, it was not that, and I don't know if it would ever get there. Yeah, I've had a couple. Uh, not to keep plugging it, but right, uh, Eben Britton. If you've ever listened to Eben Britton, he was the co-host of Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson for the okay. first season. He's a former NFL football player turned yogi, like breathing coach, meditation expert, just very insightful. And I've had him on two times now, and he had me on his podcast, The Eben Flow, and just a good name. His, his voice his presence his all the things that we talk about he's just a it's always walk away from those conversations just feeling refreshed but yeah hot boxing's yeah. a good show too a lot of people sleep on it i feel like it is i don't know i mean i don't know i wasn't a huge fan of henry cejudo jumping on but <laughs> yeah no i don't think evan was either but there's he talked a little bit about that whole situation i had him on right after he kind of parted ways with the show and yeah he was bummed and i i certainly i'm partial to the the original episodes but mike's such an intriguing dude yes as well too and yes i love listening to him you know what i mean and i was i was such a mike tyson fan growing mm-hmm. up so many people were you know what i mean and to see him kind of come full circle and be doing so well and it's you know yeah. I, I love that you know the, the mike tyson 3.0 is awesome you know what i mean because he had his his first life then he had his which includes all the craziness and then he had his like second like celebrity life when he was in all the fucking hangover movies and all this shit right where it was like oh it's nice he's getting work again and then the third like mature i don't give a shit i'm kind of doing what i always should have been doing from the beginning if you know mm-hmm. if i had it my way kind of vibe um yeah, he's a fucking interesting guy. He's a. I wanted to ask you, being in Philly, um, not to cut that short, but no, no, yeah, Sean Brady. Yes. What about Sean Brady? The fact that he's going to be the next big superstar, you think? That I, I mean, that's my thought process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just be curious. I mean, as somebody who's been around him a little bit more. Yeah. I, I mean, being a guy that's into jujitsu, and in his style of jujitsu, I mean, that's how I like to roll, right? Yeah. I mean, he's just powerful. Yeah. athletic but that fight against um kiesa yeah jesus i'm drawing a blank i mean kiesa's a big big 170 yeah and sean just looked way stronger yeah and just for a guy i mean kiesa's been in the limelight has a lot of experience on that stage mm-hmm. i was i was impressed and i knew i kind of i was telling everybody we were watching the fight i'm like i'm telling you right now you are sleeping on Sean Brady. This yeah. dude is an animal. Yeah. I think he could be the next welterweight champion of the world because I think when you look across that whole division, Usman's a Usman is a problem. I mean, yeah. those hands, especially being with Trevor, his hands are mm-hmm. markably better every single fight. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a, that's trouble for anybody in that division. And, and quite honestly, aside from Izzy in 185 too, I think Usman could yeah. just walk through most of that division. But Brady to me presents a different type of challenge in that he's tough enough to get to Usman. And I think his wrestling and then ultimately his grappling ability is something Usman hasn't seen, especially from somebody who's that strong. So Sean 
here it's interesting because so I know I know obviously I know his his manager I know his I know all his training partners they've all been on the show all the his trainer they've been on the show like it, there's three main kind of gyms in the area and they all work together and that's where he's he's fighting out of from day one at first it was his manager who told me just so you know he beats everybody like everybody i'm like all right then like you hear it from the f- other fighters and then the coaches not one person doesn't believe locally that knows their shit that, that has been in there with them doesn't believe that he's not going to be champion like they know it's just a matter of time it's a matter of of how these fights uh, get matched up and how quickly he gets there um but everybody knows that he's the guy and the motherfucking grind like the biggest separation from him and anybody else is that he goes harder and more than any of these guys, no matter how hungry they are. Like the guy is the hungriest person uh, that you've you've ever seen. Uh, and also, when you smack him in the back, I said this before, he feels like a fucking brick. Uh, so that helps him as well. The fucking guy he's is built like a tank. Baddest tattoos on the planet. Yeah, too. he's aggressive. He needs to settle down. Uh, <laughs> the last time he was on the show, he had a fucking he he had just gotten done his head. He's like, I got a tiger on my head or whatever the fuck it was. I'm like, too much, too much. But go. Yeah, he wants a full body, man. He wants to do the whole body. Um, yeah, man. No, the, I think the truth is that uh, smart people like you know, a lot of people don't know yet, and he, I think he is gonna give everybody fucking problems. And by the way, a lot of the guys, the other guys from here, like the Sabatini guy that I'm telling you, uh, uh, Andre Petrovsky, who was in the the what is not contender series, no, is it contender? Uh, Ultimate Fighter. Ultimate Fighter, tough. Um, Jeremiah Wells, who's a fucking beast. That's another one who scares me a little bit. Uh, but he's he's great. But all these guys all train together. They all they are all sharpening their tools daily, man. And 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 they have uh, their two, you know, John Marquez and Daniel Gracie. That combination is fucking unstoppable, man. Like so. Anyway, but you know, I'm this is these are our guys, so I can't not say that. But Gabby, am I wrong? No, 100%. Like, matter of time. I, I go around telling people everywhere I go, I'm like, you bet on them because yeah. you're going to make your fucking money back. Like, that's yeah. the mindset yeah. for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Our other two uh, buddies who I've uh, fallen for are the Dawkins brothers, which I'm sure you saw. Did you see the Derek Lewis fight? Yeah. I, I did. I was bummed out. I man. know. I, was, I hurt my feelings. He's he's so, he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be fine. And by the way, Derek Lewis gives anybody problems when he's fucking there to fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, I think the times that he's lost, I feel like he hasn't really been there too much, uh, or maybe the pressure or whatever it is. It's a mental thing with him, because when the guy's ready to crack you, not many people can can take that. Um, so Dawkus, man, those are good guys. Hard training as well. That's another gym that's separate from the three gyms I mentioned before, um, uh, but also a stable of fucking badasses who just who who just sharpen their tools and they're like, dude, they're they're not fancy these guys are are as philly i don't know if you saw the um, i watched the first part of destin the ufc the UFC, ufc fight pet or no espn plus did ufc destin and they do like these little mini docu 20 minute series on the fighters ahead of time um and yeah man they could not be more fucking rocky balboas <laughs> like so fucking philly it's hilarious uh which we should be on the second part which comes out this week 
Hell yeah. I think, unless they cut us out, which is possible. I've got a soft spot in my heart for Philly. I was telling you, I you, lived in Philly for like six years. My wife's from the outside of the Philadelphia area. Yeah. So I lived like in North Philly, Sheltonham area okay. for a little bit. Went to DeVry. I got suckered into living in some high-rise apartment. That was like the only reason I even went there. I needed out of my small town. I was like, yeah. I went to school to play baseball. I fucking screwed up, didn't go to class and like was getting a second chance. I'm like, oh, this is, I think I heard it on a radio yeah, yeah. of all places. People in my hometown that are listening to this right now are probably laughing their ass off. But yeah, I ended up down there living in a high rise, but dude, everything happens for a reason. I've got two little beautiful boys yeah, because of it. Exactly. I think about that now. Thank God for that radio. Ad. So did you Jesus. grow up? And by the way, the riot was very heavily played on the radio here. Like, <laughs> was it? Oh my God. Yeah. And then they got sued. I, I oh, really? missed out on it. I didn't even know there was like a class action lawsuit. Yeah, they promised when I went there, they promised like a 99.5% placement rate. And um, yeah, it was a joke, man. It's an aggressive they, placement I, rate. Yeah, it was It was kind of a strange setup, but it was It was cool. Was I it bullshit of, or were they like they, they... I had some classes that were like decent and yeah. then others that it was I was curious how this person was a professor, you know, <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> but I think, you know, you're doing I, well, uh, brother. So, you know, it's all good. Yeah. Whatever, no, whatever, whatever. Did you grow yeah. up in Pittsburgh then? I didn't. I grew up in a smaller town north of Pittsburgh called Bradford, PA. It's like where Zippo lighters are made. So oh. right on the New York state line, south of Buffalo, about okay. an hour east. Of Erie, oh, you're PA. in the middle of nowhere over there. Oh, fucking 10, 12,000 people. Yeah. A lot of deer hunting, a lot of a lot of camping, a yeah. lot of uh, getting into trouble. But what what was, made you or what got you to Pittsburgh? Did you go to Pittsburgh after you went to Philly, or did your is your family in Pittsburgh? Yeah, no. So Pitts, I've had some family in Pittsburgh. Um, it was after Philly for sure. I lived, dude. I did door to door sales for a few years, selling alarm systems in like five different cities across America. Um, did that and then ultimately i got that job at um in bluebell in a technology company and um the guy that was my vice president at the time lived in pittsburgh and so when i left ibm he recruited me to a new company and it was like a great place pittsburgh was always some place that i drove to it's like three hours away from home so mm -hmm. i had friends in the area and it just seemed like a good halfway point you know, for her family can hop on the turnpike and be here and my family could be down here. But yeah, it was just kind of enjoyed what, it after we got here. What is it? A five hour drive from Philly about? Um, Yeah, probably from downtown. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, So who's what's better, Pittsburgh or Philly as far as teams and as far as town and as far as far as fans? Ooh, and your man. wife and your wife is listening so, to this. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm a diehard Penguins fan over the Flyers. Um, I'm not a Steelers fan though. So I'm a Bills fan. I grew up closer to Buffalo than I grew up to Pittsburgh and the, the early nineties bills were okay. kind of like cool as shit. Right. So That's fair. that was my thing. I think the, I got to listen, I got to say the Philly fans, they get a lot of, a lot of shit, but they're passionate. Yeah. They're way more passionate than the Pittsburgh fans, I would say. Um, but I just despise the Phillies. I despise the Flyers. I despise the Sixers, and I'm sure Gabby, the press stop, of press stop on that recording. Despise me right now. Press but. stop on that recording, please. Yeah, suddenly, all How the audio's gone. How dare you? Yeah, the audio just happened to go. Sorry, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm, listen, I'm not huge on on sports that aren't combat, uh, but my son yeah. surely loves the Eagles and the Sixers. 
uh, like, you know, loves them. And um, it's a, it's a, it's, I appreciate being able to have such a heavy duty fan, you know, kind of, kind of sports uh, city. I took him, so he got it, he luckily got into the Eagles. He was little, but he got into the Eagles and then they won a Super Bowl. So I got to take him to the fucking parade and all this stuff. Um, so the kid is set. I'm like, you do realize you're set for life. Like you're, you're an Eagles fan for life. You're, you know, like you're, that's it, dude. You're not going to change No matter where you go in life, you will always be an Eagles fan. Uh, I can't hate on the Eagles. There's no reason to hate on the Eagles for me. Yeah. Well, even the people who like the Eagles hate on the Eagles. So, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's all fair. I think it's all fair. Um, yeah, man, listen, when are you going to be in, you got to come to Philly, obviously to see, you know, to see your, your wife's family. So we should do this in here. I would love it. Uh, you're not a drinker. I'm I'm trying to judge. I'm I'm definitely a drinker. Are you drinking, drinking? I thought you were drinking a fucking kombucha or something. I don't know. No, no, I've been (laughs) drinking. I've been, uh, you're like, I've been drinking all day. I've been drinking. I busted open a bottle of, it's called tin cup. Oh yeah. I had, it comes with a little tin cup on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Well, um, you should have told me because I would have cracked something open. I haven't had a drink in this studio in how long? It's been forever. Everyone's been weight cutting. It's every, been. Everybody's <laughs> weight cutting every and, and like I, I don't want to be the alcoholic on the show. So um, anyway, if I knew you were, I would have joined you. Your eyesight is real bad. What's that? I said your eyesight is real bad because you didn't see the glass. <laughs> no, I saw him with the glass, but I couldn't tell what he was drinking. Okay. But I should have had glasses. <laughs> I would have been able to tell. God damn it! Uh, I still have the tin cup little thing that comes on top of it. I believe. I use that thing yeah, all. I, I like a beer and a shot, mm-hmm. um, and I st- I use that thing that came with that bottle like every time I, it's my go-to. Anyway, what's your favorite bourbon or whiskey? I'm a Jack guy. Are you? Yeah, I like um, you know even just like I've got a nice bottle of Double Barrel Select, just so smooth. But I on the regular, it's been Woodford Reserve as like a okay. regular go-to. But this Dalmore is delicious. Have you tried Dalmore before? I haven't. It's got like the the deer head on it. Um, okay. Check it out. The I think that's the twelve. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a twelve. They get more expensive and fancier, but the twelve is is just fine, and it's a very good interview sipper. So I just got a gift, a bottle of Macallan twelve. Macallan is nice. Uh, we have a Macallan back there. So yeah. I'll stock up the bar for whenever you come, and we'll have we'll have plenty oh, for sure, dude. I love for it. Sure. Uh, anything else you want to ask me that we kind of glossed over, maybe? Or I think hmm. I think we hit a couple. We touched we touched on Dale Brown. We touched on Sean Brady. There was one thing, and we don't have to go through all this because it probably. But it was you know we're heading into the end of the year. No more UFC fights. Yep. Between now and, and January. But I'd be curious, maybe we just talk about the ones that would change quickly, and then maybe we can get into it sometime early next year when I swing through Philly. Love but it. do you see different title holders at the same time next year? If we think about 2022, December, you know, I'm looking at this list of current title holders of each division. and Give, one, give, me, a couple, give me a couple names, and I'll tell you if I think the belts switch hands. Okay, Volkanovski. Uh, Volkanovski, who's he fighting? He just fought. Well, Ortega. Was it Ortega him. the last time that he fought? Yeah. Yep. Okay, he looked good. Um, well, 
shit. That's a good one. Um, so who 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 would be his next two challenges? Because because uh, yeah, if he fights Max Holloway for some reason again, I think he has he loses. That's because I I, and, I yeah. thought he lost the last one. I think Max has the title at the end of next year. I don't know how he finds his way back in, but I think he's a guy who takes fights on short notice, and yeah. I think they know that that's a fight people want to see. So if they get a chance, I think that fight happens, and I think he beats him. Well, that's that's where I'm at. Like, if somebody else fights him, I don't know. I don't know that I can say that he loses the belt. If Max fights him again, I think he does lose it. Mm-hmm. So, what about heavyweight? Next and December of next year, who's the heavyweight champ at the UFC? If they finally unite the belts that exist for no reason, the the inter- Gane, the yeah, because the because Gane has the interim belt. No, he has the he has the real belt, and then wait, didn't he fight for the interim belt against uh, Derek they, Lewis? He has the yeah, and Gano has the real belt. Yeah, yeah. Gano has the real. It was interim because Gano wasn't active. Which was which was bullshit because it was like, hey, you have two weeks to fight. You don't want to fight. You're not active All enough. Right. We're gonna give the belt to somebody else. Yeah, that was bullshit. Um. I don't know enough about Gane, except that he reminds me of, like, Anthony Joshua. <laughs> like, he's super well-rounded. I think he could totally be anybody. I don't know enough about him where I say that he would take the power. Okay, I'll say this. If he takes the power that Nganu brings, he wins, if that makes sense. Do you, do you think John Jones gets a shot at the heavyweight title by the end of next year? No. I think John Jones just keeps him fucking with us for longer. I really don't see him fighting. I don't. I don't see him coming back. I think so he gained. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I said I think he. Saying? I think he gained all that weight for no reason. <laughs> Interesting. I don't think I, he. So. Yeah. I'm gonna go through this list quick, and okay. if there's any that you that you want to dive into, otherwise we can we can go into this more. Yeah. Next yeah. Time we yeah, do yeah. That. But. So. But by the way, Chris Dawkins will will get the belt. It might take a little longer than we hope, but. He'll be, he'll be there. I could see that he'll for sure. Yeah. So I, I think got Brandon Moreno. I think he keeps the title <laughs> through next year. I think he keeps the title. I'm pissed that they're fucking fighting again. All right. I we, am too. Yeah, we can carry I'm on. Not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not digging this new fight. No. I think Jan keeps the title. I think that's going to be very hard. I think he's going to hold that belt for a while. Yeah, honestly. I think he's going to fight Algermain again, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Algermain loses. Yeah, for sure. I think Holloway ends up with the belt over Volkanovski. I would love that. Um, I see that. I'm going to skip lightweight for a minute. I think Usman keeps it unless for some reason Brady gets an opportunity to fight him. But I don't think that's going to happen next year. I think Usman leaves next year still the champ. Uh, Fair to say because Brady probably won't fight more than three times next year. Mm -hmm. And there's no way he's going to get to Usman in three fights Unless, like you said, some weird shit happens and it just ends up being yeah. that case. So, yeah, I agree. I think Izzy keeps the belt. I'd I, be curious to see that fight with Derek Brunson. But. I, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a break your heart because I, I broke my own heart. I'm a huge Izzy fan. Maybe my favorite fighter at the moment. Um, there's an aura that I trust. I trust when I have this feeling about an aura. And I think he fucking loses the belt to Whitaker. I think it's a mistake to fight Whitaker again. I think it's a huge mistake. Um, he lost it to Blahovich. That was fair. Different weight class. That was fine. But I just feel like it's it's mm, it's like it's, you should. Well, I don't know. Sometimes these rematches, I don't get sometimes. Like if you beat the person decisively, I mean, unless there's really nobody else to fight, why the fuck are you doing that? 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think it's a bad idea. So I think okay. he actually loses the belt. Interesting. Um, light heavyweight. I think it changes. I think Yuri takes it, and I think he holds yeah. it for a little bit. Yuri's a scary motherfucker. He is very scary. The guy punches trees bare hands for no re- absolutely no reason. Uh, who else is in light heavyweight right now? That's uh, so. I mean, Glover has it. Yep. Then, yeah, but Glover, that was like a that was almost like a gimme. I don't know. Um, Magomed, who? Magomed uh, Ankalaev. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think Yuri's the guy. You're right. I do You're too. right. Yep. Um, okay. We'll save women. I, I think. Although I do think Valentina Shevchenko is a double champ next year because I think she ends up taking out Juliana Pena, and that I is, think she also keeps it at flyweight. That is a beautiful point. Yes, I thought the same thing when that fight happened. First of all, I thought. Nunes, first of all, I had the worst wife to watch fights with because God, <laughs> God, does she make me feel stupid and says that things are rigged and things were meant to happen and it drives me nuts. But anyway, she watched that fight with me and she was like, nope, nope, nope. Nunes is not, she's not fighting to win this fight. And I'm like, all right, relax, please. <laughs> Let me, let's see how this plays out. She was right. I don't know what Nunes was thinking. I don't know what the issue was, but. You have Kyla Harrison in the in the front fucking row. What are you doing? That's the mega fight. Mm. You're gonna lose it to Pena, like and and like that, like not be like it had to be an emotional or so, it had to be something. But I was already weird, uh, you know, a little um, worried about her when I saw her being actually in great shape because she's never been in that type of shape before, and that signals a change of habits, right? A change of, 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 of routine with working out and what your focus might be on, what type of training you're doing. Um, and I was like, man, she looks great. She doesn't look like herself. And Pena was hungry as shit. And whatever happened, and for whatever reason she lost that fight, it was such a missed opportunity with the Kayla Harrison fight because that's not going to happen now. That's going to have to hold off for, like, Kayla Harrison might not even get now. in now for the next so many fights. Because there's no reason to bring her in right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, but I agree with you. I love Chachenko. She's a beast. Oh, me too. She's so cool. Yep. Um, so the one I skipped, lightweight. So, I mean, I think the for me, the money stays with keeping it with Oliveira. But if I look at that, I mean, Gaethje's tough. There's just something about when he's been in these big performances, aside from the fight with Chandler was electric. Yeah. But that it's just Chandler went and fought Gaethje's fight to me and yeah. and lost to a guy with heavier hands and a, a more granite chin. Yeah. I think somebody like Oliveira has this different skill set that I don't know if we've seen Gaethje consistently beat. Now, that said, I'm going to say something that people who are they're going to be so pissed. Connor's but if I saw that line. belt, I thought. Honestly, I could see Connor winning the belt back, and here's why. He's going to get an opportunity because he draws such a big pay-per-view that even though he doesn't deserve an opportunity at the belt right now, he's got just as good of a chance as anybody else. Aside from, I, I believe Gage is going to get the next opportunity, but aside from, other, other than that, Connor's going to jump the line, yeah. and he's got that left hand, and he's got a 50% chance of winning any fight that he's in barring that the leg holds up. But I 
I don't think that he's going. I'm going to stay and say Charles Oliveira is the champ, but I think Connor's got a huge opportunity just because of the fact that he's going to get a shot at the belt. Do you, so you think Gaethje's going to fight Oliveira next, and then Connor goes in for the winner? Is that the the timeline? I think Oliveira beats Gaethje, and I think Connor gets a fight with Oliveira. I, I because Dustin already lost to him, and so did Chandler. Yeah. And Connor's a money draw, and so they're going to give him what he wants. Yeah, I think, and I think Connor wins against Oliveira, but loses against Gaethje. I could, I would agree. I so would, it I depends how that shakes, how the how the whole thing shakes, you know, shakes up or whatever, or shakes out, yeah. however you say that. Um, if Connor goes against Oliveira, I think that's actually a very not easy, but it's a much easier fight. Uh, higher chances for success than if he fights Gaethje, where I'll be tense as shit because every punch thrown could be the end for either of them. Mm -hmm. And the way the luck with McGregor is gone, McGregor will be probably the first one to get dropped. So, you know, if I was Connor, I would chill. And I would say, you know what? Either give me the Oliveira fight now, do your buzz, you know, create some buzz, but then really don't take the fight, right? Because you still got to recuperate anyway. I think they said maybe April or, or later. Let them have their fight. Continue continue the promotion work, and you're right. Jump right back in there because who else is going to get it? Not going to be poor. Fight Jake Paul. If he's smart, he fights Jake Paul. <laughs> exactly. If he's smart, exactly. if he's smart, he fights Jake and Logan, and then Jake again. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Listen, I'm starting to like Jake more and more. You can oh, say whatever dude. you want to say. <laughs> you can't deny that right hand. So. He hits hard. He's young. He's a big fella. He's doing his 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 very smart way of navigating. So, you know, I talked to somebody recently, and they made up a, they made a great kind of uh, analysis on on the whole Jake Paul thing. They're like, this kid, as he's been clever with YouTube and his whole thing, he's found a way to get paid millions for us to see his amateur career unfold. Does that make sense? Like he's fighting people like you would as an amateur that you should be able to learn from, right? Get all that shit out of the way. So when you become a pro, then you're good to go. So with that in mind, he's three, five fights away from fighting legit fighters, uh, legit boxers. Um, And he's kind of being smarter about it because he's getting paid a ton of money to knock out these guys who aren't great boxers. And he's got the bankroll to be able to accelerate the learning process beyond what any other amateur who doesn't have the funds to do it. I mean, he's got world-class trainers, world-class training partners, world-class facilities, world-class pharmaceuticals, probably. Yeah. And why do you say you that? Oh, I think any any pro athlete, brother. Come on. And I know you're being facetious, but and I'm not. That's not a knock to him because don't tell me Tyron Woodley never did anything either. Of course. So. I mean, every one of these guys, and power to them. This is fucking entertainment. But I want to do it just to be a better podcaster. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. But no, I'm with you. Respect to them, and shame on anybody for trying to take their their ability to make a bag. You know. Yeah. Listen, if you're willing to do what Woodley did and create that meme for yourself and be okay with that and make the money, whatever. I don't know if I would do it, but maybe, maybe I would. You know. I don't know. It's an interesting world we're living in, dude, because between triad fighting and Jake Paul dominating the boxing space on Showtime, um, what the fuck are we doing? I don't know, but it's enjoyable. It's entertaining. Yeah. You know, more for us to talk about. It's been a blast, man. Yeah, brother. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, I feel stupid you. for not having a whiskey with you. My bad. I apologize. We'll have it in person. Oh, that's we'll on make, me. We'll... I'm a selfish prick. I'm over here drinking and not sharing. <laughs> Brother, thank you so much. Uh, be safe. Have happy holidays. And I'll see you thank soon, you. man. Just let me know when you're in town. Yeah, for sure.